In the holy name of Jesus, amen. There's a remarkable old funeral ceremony that was used by one of the imperial families in Europe, which involved a procession to a monastery in Vienna. That monastery contains the imperial crypt, the burial place for all of the bodies in the royal family. During the procession, the casket would be brought to the front door of the monastery, accompanied by a great crowd and a herald. The herald would knock on the door of the monastery with a cane, and one of the monks on the other side of the door would ask, Who wants to enter? The herald, in a loud proclamation for all the crowd to hear, would answer with the royal accolades of the deceased. Charles of Austria, former crown prince of Austria-Hungary, Grand Duke of Tuscany, Margrave of Moravia, and on and on for minutes. When the list of titles was exhausted, the monk on the other side of the door would reply, We don't know him. The herald would knock again, and again the monk would ask, Who wants to enter? This time the herald would give a shorter proclamation. Dr. Charles of Habsburg, member of parliament, honorary doctor of many universities, member of many academies and institutes, and so on. Again, when the list of honors was ended, the monk on the other side of the door would reply, we don't know him. Finally, the herald would knock a third time, and the monk would ask again, Who wants to enter? This time, the herald would reply very simply, Charles, a mortal, sinful man. Then the doors were opened, and the monk would say, Thus, let him enter. It's precisely in that manner that we enter Lent. With crosses of ash upon our foreheads as mortal, sinful human beings. If we enter in any other way with accolades or honors, it's just as Jesus said in our Gospel lesson, we have already received our reward but it's not the reward from our Father who is in heaven. Now you may think, naturally, the kingdom of God has nothing to do with royal titles or academic honors. Naturally, the obvious sources of our pride in our success or wealth or sophistication, they're all meaningless for, for our Father who is in heaven. Naturally, we bring none of these things with us as we enter Lent. But Jesus is not satisfied to rid us of only the obvious sources of our pride. Jesus digs deeper. And in our Gospel lesson, he lays bare some of our very last prideful holdouts. 
He takes aim even at the Christian disciplines, doing righteousness, giving alms, praying, and fasting, the very disciplines which we take for granted as good, and indeed they are good, and you should do them. You should train yourselves in these disciplines as an athlete trains his body, and you should expect to struggle and to fail because they're unnatural for you. But just like an athlete, you are being formed and strengthened. You are becoming disciples. You are learning to be like Jesus. That's why we practice these disciplines. But Jesus takes aim at them in our gospel lesson because just as any good thing can become wicked by perversion, so also can doing righteousness, giving alms, praying, and fasting. And so take care. Don't enter into Lent expecting to bring any of these things with you. Don't enter into Lent thinking of yourself as the one who practices righteousness, the one who gives alms, the one who prays, the one who fasts. Don't enter into Lent thinking of yourself as anything other than a mortal, sinful human being. The risk of pride is so grave that Jesus suggests some extreme measures to keep it at bay. Don't sound a trumpet when you give alms, of course, but even more, give your alms in secret and be so subtle that not even your left hand knows what your right hand is doing. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door. When you fast, go out of your way to make it seem like you're not fasting. If you practice these disciplines for the praise of men, you already have your reward. But it is not the reward of your Father who is in heaven. When you enter Lent, you enter with a cross of ash upon your forehead as a mortal, sinful human being. When you enter Lent, you are being formed and strengthened. You are becoming a disciple. You are learning to be like Jesus, just like a child learns to imitate his parents. And there is little that delights parents more than to find their children off on their own, in secret, imitating them, practicing good behavior, learning to be like mom and dad. That is one of the keys to Lent, to acknowledge that we are learners, disciples. And so we practice being like Jesus. But none of this is to say that Lent is a time of concentrated sorrow or anxiety. And we know that because our teacher, the one we follow, the Lord our God, he is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger. And he is abounding in steadfast love. When you enter Lent, you enter as a mortal, sinful human being, but there is nothing morbid or gloomy about it. 
In fact, this entrance into Lent is an occasion for hope. Lent is a joyful fast, as is every Christian fast, because it is precisely in our mortality and our sinfulness and our humanity that Christ came for us. The joyfulness of our fast shows through in no more obvious place than the Holy Eucharist, a feast of which no fast can deprive us. Even tonight, at the very beginning of Lent, we cannot help but give thanks and break bread and sing with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven at the marriage feast of the Lamb whose kingdom will have no end. We are mortal, sinful human beings, and we are met at this altar by the flesh and blood of a divine Jesus who became man, bore our sin, and suffered death for us. We are mortal, sinful human beings who are about to become holy and immortal. Thus, let us enter Lent. In the holy name of Jesus, Amen. Amen.